Welcome to another episode of Tunnel Vision Podcast. I'm Mario Doremus. I'm Eric Walker. Man, we got a lot to talk about. We got a decent amount of time for you today. Uh, man, so much going on. Uh, Big Ten football. Obviously, they're about to vote again to see if they're going to start the season. Also, NBA playoffs. Man, this bubble been exciting, man. Eric. What happened with the with the Thunder, man? <laughs> what happened with the Thunder? I mean, look, I, they had they could have won a game. Yeah, officiating was bad, right? Yeah, no, officiating was bad. Officiating was a problem in another game too. And yeah. when we get to the NBA, we'll talk about that, man. But also NFL in just one week. Got the, the start of the NFL's coming. Woo! Kansas City versus Houston. I can't wait. Fantasy football. I'm ready. You ain't doing fantasy football this I'm year. I'm not doing fantasy football this year. No, it's uh are, are you are you giving up hanging your hat for, for good? I don't know if it's for good, but I know for this season I, I will not be partaking. I'm not I'm opting out due to COVID. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, I'm opting out due to COVID. Uh, but I, I will. I, I have no issue with being a consultant. Who you gonna consult for? Anybody who need fantasy football advice. Oh, okay. I, I know. I'm a visionary when it comes to when it comes to scouting players. You know I am. Don't yeah. Yeah. I am. Yes and no, right? So you you foresee some things, right? I foresee a lot of things. But but often you foresee them so far in the future before someone else that you kind of you kind of hamper yourself. Now, prime, prime example, you took Lamar Jackson in the third round last year. I did. Lamar Jackson played like a first round talent. He did. Kudos to you for picking him. No one in that league was going to pick him in the third round. Exactly. Probably not even in the first five to six rounds. Yeah, just like the year that I won, I drafted Tom Brady in the first round, and y'all left. But yet again, you're 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 not in the league this year because of you're you're basically you're tired of losing. No, I'm just I'm. I said I'm opting out due to COVID. No, 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 no. You opted out before COVID. <laughs> I did. I told you before COVID. I, I just I look. I need to take a hiatus. I need to take a hiatus from fantasy football just for a year, just to get my bearings together, get my get everything situated before I can go back to playing fantasy football. Fantasy football is stressful. What What, what do you have to get together though? I have to get my bearings together. Your bearings together for what? To play fantasy football, to be to be invested, like wow. I got to go in mentally prepared to play fantasy football. It's very stressful. It, it is. It's, it's like playing Russian roulette. Like you hope that, like if you play, if you say, okay, I'm gonna put fifty on black. You pray to God five times that it hit black. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I mean, as a, as a sports guys like we are, we live in we live. Eat, sleep, and sports, right? Yeah, we do. So, for from that perspective, it's like 
to run away from it because you got to get your bearings together. I'm not running away from or, from. Are you I'm tired not running of away. I'm not running away from sports. I'm are, just, you, are you tired of losing? No, I, I'm just. I would love this part of this, this this conversation. No, are you tired of losing? I'm not tired of losing. I'm just not playing fantasy football. So and, and look, this is the thing. Not to say that I'm done for good because next year if you need somebody to fill a spot, okay, I'm maybe I I'm maybe back in. But as of right now, I just can't put it on myself emotionally or mentally because it's it's stressful. Is it the stress be trying is it the stress between trying to uh be a, a Eagle fan and fantasy football? A lot of it, yes. Because if I played this year, I would draft Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and, and folks that's listening, you'll probably draft him in what, the top five rounds? No, I'll probably get him in the back end because I mean he's I mean he's he's not a starter, but I think he will eventually be starting. So I'm thinking maybe like the eleventh round, twelfth round. They they did sit Wentz out for a little bit, right? Yeah, he, Wentz hasn't really been on the field in like two weeks. But it's I mean they're saying he's not injured, but it's just precaution. But I mean, you know what that. Are you, are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that because I, I love. You know that I love the fact that they drafted Jalen Hurts. I think that we can win with either quarterback. I believe in Doug Peterson and everything that he's building up there. Everything that he's built up there, I'm okay with it. Okay. Only thing I'm really worried about is the fact that Jalen Rieger's shoulder, like he may not play this season. Yeah. I I just I just want to make sure like I. Man, when you're doing fantasy football, like you gotta be consistent. And I just want to make sure you're consistently vested. Um I guess since you're not vested this year, it's okay, but like Well no, I'm consistently be vested. I'm I'm invested in like the sport itself and games week to week, but I think it's just a different type of investment. Like when I got fantasy football, I'm invested in my players specifically, but just me as a fan, I'm invested in the games and, you know, just trying to look at different matchups and see how things break down, you know. But, I mean, we can, you know, we, we could talk about fantasy football literally for an hour. But uh, as of right now, I'm no longer playing. I've opted out for the season due to COVID, like I said before. Um, so, me and my family just need privacy and respect. At this time, <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, man, NFL, man, there's a lot of other crazy things going on yes. that could impact fantasy football. Speaking of that, man, Leonard Fournette being released by the Jaguars, did you see it coming? Um, and I, I'll be honest, yes and no, and I'll say why. Yes, because this team has just shown for the past couple years what the hell they've been doing. They're tanking. They're flat out tanking. We've talked about it in numerous podcasts um, with the reboot and before the reboot that most teams in the NFL don't tank. But they're a team that's tanking. Yeah, and they're tanking in the wrong direction. Usually when teams tank, they tank to eventually get better. But I don't know if they're going to get better. And when I say that, like, all right, so Tom Coughlin came, right, and they – Instantly just changed everything up. Quarterback position, kind of dead down. But, I mean, they got all this faith in Tom Coughlin to come because he won the Super Bowl as the head coach in New York. But, I mean, 
I, I, I think what they're comparing is apples to orange. Like what what they were doing in New York is way different than what they're doing in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, they went from a quarterback that was, don't get me wrong, Blake Borders wasn't the best, but then they went from him to a guy who technically is probably a second or third string quarterback on any other body's team. And who would that be? Monchkov. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you get what I'm saying? Like, they went with him, man. And who's the starter now? Well, right now is. Uh, I think it's him again, right? Mustache. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you you go you you spend all that money, and they they drafted. I mean, they spent all the money for um, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. But they traded he got, him. He got hurt, and then they traded him. Yeah, because Gardner Mitchell ended up being becoming a fan favorite. A, f- a fan favorite doesn't win ball games. Well, he was winning ball games. He was. I mean, oh, Gar- he was winning how many ball games? Not enough. <laughs> that, that that's what I'm saying. So you know what I mean, like to the point where you're you're like, oh, we gave Blake Bortles too much money. I mean, not Blake Bortles, but we gave um, Nick Foles Nick Foles too much money. So let's not let's not do anything with him. Let's get rid of him so we can recoup the money back, basically. Yeah, and and that's crazy to me. Uh, you know, I I get it wanting to pay Nick Foles. And I, I really like Nick Foles. What he did in Philadelphia, they won the Super Bowl. It was a great story, right? But at the end of the day, I'm not paying Nick Foles before I pay Jalen Ramsey. And I'll tell you why. Because Nick Foles has less football in him than Jalen Ramsey does. And I think Jalen Ramsey is a bigger factor as far as what they needed. Because the defense is ultimately what made them a playoff team and a championship contender, right? Just a few years ago. And they could have went to the Super Bowl that year that the Patriots end up playing the Eagles. But the referees got involved and then Tom Brady won. So we won't we won't really rehash that. But I'm just I'm being honest with you. I, I think that what they were building in Jacksonville was good and it, they were building in the right direction. And Ultimately, what happened was they tried to become an offensive-oriented team when that wasn't their identity, and now it just kind of backfired on them, and they're just kind of lost. Because you know how every week when we do talk about NFL, we talk about it being different tiers of teams, like teams that know where they're going, the elite teams, teams building in the right direction, and then teams that are just lost. Jacksonville is an organization right now that's just lost again. But 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 let me say this though, they didn't build in an offensive direction because they got worse offensively. Well, they tried to. They, they, they tried to build from a quarterback perspective. They had the running back, so okay, you have the running back. Let's try to go build and let's go get a quarterback. Everywhere else, they didn't absolutely nothing in. That's the sad part about it. They they lost their top receivers. Right. And Allen Robinson. Yeah. And then they lost Allen Hearns. Yeah. You went backwards. And then you expect to go pay a quarterback who's throwing the ball to nobody. Well, they got DJ D- DJ Shark. They got DJ Shark and they had But they uh, didn't they, they had Westbrook the receiver. DJ Westbrook, but he got hurt, yeah. He, but he got hurt. But but that's what I'm saying. So he, he dealt with injuries and, and you got all this money on a quarterback that you paid and he's throwing to nobody. You get what I'm saying? So you're going in a different direction from defense to now offense, 
But then you let your offense. You really ain't know where you was going offensively. And then you let your your bet. You you talked about the need for Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey was your best player, flat out. Period. Offensively, defensively. Then you had Calais Campbell, best one of your top best players, offensively and defensively. And you're trading for a fifth round pick. And you trading for a fifth. You you're tanking. You're lost. You're in that category of lost. I guess they traded places with Cleveland Browns. Because Cleveland seems to got it and seems to be in a direction to where they're trying to be a contender. I think Cleveland is going to be a good team this year. I think, I mean, obviously I think the, the, the division is going to be kind of the downfall of them ultimately. Like, I think it'll be, a, yeah. I, I think it'll be a good, a very good eight win team. But, I will say this, Jacksonville, the the thing that separates them from Cleveland, at least, like, I can be like, okay, it's Cleveland. I get that. Jacksonville, like, you were literally a game away from a Super Bowl, and then just two years later, or three years later, you can't even make the playoffs. You're in the top five in the draft. Like, Cleveland was never in the playoff run. That's the hard part about it. Like some of these teams, they they don't understand how to succeed and stay there. How do how do we get here? How do we build to stay here? How do we move further? Well, you got to pay the right guys. That's the thing. Bingo. They paid the right guys to a certain extent. You paid Calais Campbell. You were on the verge of paying Ramsey. You paid some of your defense. The only problem was then they shipped over some of the other guys that were in the defensive back core that they should have paid and kept. And when it's kind of catch-22, those guys run and go take some money elsewhere, don't end up panning out anyway because they ain't playing with Jalen Ramsey and the rest of the guys that's on that defense. And playing in that system. And in that system. So, I mean, I get that. You're... You're going to lose guys, especially defensively, because of that. Got defensive guys, especially guys that are, I'll say, second tier guys on the defensive end, but get credit because of what the defense actually does. They're going to run and take some money sometimes. You're going to lose guys for that. That that just is what it is. Yeah, and you know, you know, talking about Leonard Fournette, obviously being released from the team. Now he just signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and like, what were your initial reactions to to Leonard Fournette going to Tampa Bay? Because well, I'll, I'll tell you what mine were. Well, let's pause for a second and, and rewind for one second. How do you let a guy go that had 1,200 yards rushing last year? You completely cut him. You said, "Hey, we're we fielded the rest of the NFL." And they said that we couldn't get anything for him. How do you cut him? Which I didn't want to say this on the podcast because you know I, I think it sounds like look I'm not in I'm not in a room and I'm not in the offices, but I like I know common sense. And the fact that he the the fact that the GM came out and said we couldn't find a trade we couldn't find a suitor for him not for anything not a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick. That's a damn lie. That's a damn lie. <laughs> Like, that's not just a lie. That's a damn lie. Facts. Because 
I've seen some trades being made. If you could get a fifth round for Calais Campbell from Baltimore. A guy who's at the tail end of his career. But playing high level. Yeah, yeah. Plays at a high level still. You you telling me you can't get a fifth round pick at least for a guy going, a running back going into his prime? I know running backs don't last a lifetime, but if you can't get a running back traded who's a top 10 at worst, a top 10 running back for a fifth round pick. And there's plenty of teams out there who needed a running back. Something tells me that everything that was said isn't the truth. Yes. And we've been talking about this uh, for, for so long. All these guys just, I mean, all these owners and they put out shit out here that just kind of, Try to make it seem like it's it it's on the player. It's 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 everything. I mean, and we're gonna talk about it a little bit more. But that same thing happened to Alvin Kamara. Yeah, and that's, and I want to get into that in, in a little bit. But yeah, but as far as the Leonard Fournette thing, like nothing leads me to believe that they even attempted to get a fifth round pick. I think that they were asking for a first round pick or a second, and maybe some. I think maybe teams. Could have offered third or fourth, but they, they didn't. I don't believe they asked for nothing. You don't think they shopped at no. all? Dog, how many teams? Let, let me tell you this. There's a lot of teams that would have gave up over a fifth round pick for him. Yeah, no, I, they, I, I, they, I agree with that. So, so, and I don't. Since you're not really preparing for fantasy football, you probably don't haven't thought about it fully through. But think about all the teams that are struggling at the running back position. There's only about five good dominant running backs in this league. And I won't lie, to you. like I'm an Eagles fan, right? The Eagles are thin at running back. They just they just released Michael Warren. I thought Michael Warren was gonna be the second running back on the depth chart. They're thin. Like if something happens to Miles Sanders, our season may be up. We may pass the ball forty times a game. Right. And and that's what I'm saying. So it's like all there, there's there's like five good cowbell backs, and that's it. So for you to sit here and say I I can't believe that they asked for anybody that you can't unless you had irrealistic irrealistic expectations thinking you were going to get a first round pick for him. And the fact that he's on the last year of his deal, nothing tells me that nobody was like, okay, yeah, I'll give you a draft, I'll give you a pick for him, right? Because he's on the last year of his rookie contract, right? That's what I'm saying. So I don't believe that. Um, I'm shocked that he's traded to a certain extent, like I said, but to a certain extent, I'm not because I see what they're doing. They're tanking. They're tanking. I, I tell you why I'm surprised because even if they had him, it's, it would still be a bad team. I think that the problem with Jacksonville. And I'll be a hundred percent honest. They don't want to pay anybody, and that's why they'll—that's why they're as bad as they are. They—they they tried paying Nick Foles to have him be the future of the team, and I get it because quarterbacks get paid these days, and that's just how it goes. But outside of that, think about it: what guys have they really paid and held on to? They haven't. Exactly. If you don't pay guys, you're gonna be rebuilding every three years. Yeah. Every at least every three years, but with them it may be ten. Yeah. But that's why they're in the basement. They'll always be in the basement. Yeah. They might crawl from the basement few far in between, but they'll be in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> that's just is what it is. But uh, but as far as 
Leonard Fournette, obviously, like I said, he's going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, I'm I'm confused by that as well. They're they're just stockpiling talent, not enough room. But I'm not. I'm surprised by it just because I didn't know if they had the cap for it with the money that they spent this offseason. You know, then, but obviously I mean, they, they didn't spend too much money on LaShawn McCoy. They still got Ronald Jones on it, the second on his rookie contract. The running back talent hasn't been spectacular for them, but Tom Brady coming there and they already have two very, 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 very good wide receivers. Yeah, Jones and McCoy there, one of them guys might be gone. Somebody might go towards the end of this before. Leonard Fournette, it, it, hear me out. Leonard Fournette should be the starting back. Yeah, but you, you he's the best back in that in that in that running back group. Which is true, yeah, hundred percent true. What would be the purpose of you keeping Jones and McCoy? Have an explosive running back. To have three? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Ronald Jones and uh, Shady McCoy are both better pass catchers. Out of even though, even though Leonard Fournette did have over like seventy receptions last year. Yeah, somebody's gonna be the odd man out. And if it's me, it, me thinking, I think the guy that's the odd man out is Lashawn McCoy, and I see him not being there the whole season. Unless someone else gets injured before them. Yeah, no, and if that's the case, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Shady McCoy, even though I, I obviously, you know what I mean, I have like that love for him because he was a Philadelphia Eagle. But at the same time, I get it. He's an older, he's an older running back. And I mean, anything that he can do, really, Ronald Jones can do. Yes. You know, it's. And not, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, and Leonard Fournette. Uh, well, Leonard Fournette is a little bit. Bigger, so he's not as agile, but I mean, they can find that in Ronald Jones and they're paying him less, so I definitely get that. Uh, but this is the thing I will say I am not too smitten with what's going on in Tampa Bay because I, I went on Twitter and I said they've never given Jameis Winston this much help, they didn't. Jameis Winston was pretty much like, okay, you got to go out here and win with whatever we give you. With Tom Brady, they're like, we're going to put you in a position to win a Super Bowl. With Jameis, it's like, oh, the hell with you. And I, and I, and I got a take for this? Yeah, no, and, that, and that's and, the thing. Let me, let, let, me, let me say this. They're not winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I don't even think they win a division. I think the Saints still win. This team ain't winning the division. If they get close to winning the division, they're not they're not winning the conference. Again, newsflash for everyone. Unless Tom Brady goes back and turns the clock for some of us to show us and prove us any different, I'm gonna be the first one to say this that Tom Brady is not gonna have the success that everyone thinks he might have because of who he has around him. And I and I'll leave it at that. Jameis Winston threw the ball down the field and threw for over 5,000 yards. Had they put this much faith in Jameis Winston, they may have a championship caliber team. Because I guarantee you this, folks, 
Jameis Winston probably can outperform Tom Brady at this point, at this moment. When you talk about passing down a field, giving them a chance to to be in games, Jameis Winston did that last year, right? Yeah, he did. I, I don't know if Tom Brady does what he does last year, this year. Yeah, it's gonna, I mean, it's going to be interesting, man. Like, a lot of people, you know, when you, when you think about Brady, obviously you think about the six championships that he has. But at the same time, he didn't get one of those outside of Bill Belichick's system. Not only that, man, he ain't get one throwing the ball down the field. One? The, no, no, he did not get one. The one he got, the one throwing the ball down the field was when he had Randy Moss and they lost. Yeah. And uh, I mean, well, he, I mean, he kind of did get one down, thrown down the field, and that was uh, was it against the Panthers when uh, who was it was the MVP? He had a wide receiver. Remember, wide receiver was the MVP. That's Deion Branch. Deion Branch was MVP that year. I mean, that was about as close as he got because he had uh, what over 100 yards receiving and two touchdowns. So I mean, I, I guess if we want to consider that, but it was those are all short, intermediate passes. Mike Evans is not going out for a five yard hitch. Like, but that's that, every that, time. that just proves my point, right? If a wide receiver won the, the Super Bowl MVP and the quarterback did not, there's a there's a real reason why, right? That quarterback did not perform at a very very high level, right? Exactly. So so with that being said, that that proves my point that his his biggest his biggest season throwing the ball down the field was when he had Randy Moss. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now he has – he's at the later part of his career when his throwing power and throwing accuracy down the field is terrible. It's average. Let me say average. I'm not going to describe Average, right? It was with New England. Now, we'll see what it is now. I mean, unless something happened, something changed with this guy, Tom Brady is not going to be throwing the ball down the field to Mike Evans and, like, Mike Evans and um, Godwin like that. Yeah, no, nah, but I tell you what, the, the saving grace of the team might be OJ Howard. Like I know everybody get, gets hype about uh, Rob Gronkowski coming back, but it's, I mean it's not the same Gronk. It's not it's not the Gronk everybody knows from like four five years ago. Like no, it's 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 Rob Gronkowski coming back out of football retirement, about twenty pounds lighter, and uh, some some back problems. Like that's the Rob Gronkowski that they're gonna get. Well, they're gonna get a refresh one, so the back problems uh, might not be there as much. But but re- yeah. re- refreshed, he took one year off of football. Like he, after you've been playing football your whole life, one year off is like it's a it's not a refreshment. It's just kind of like okay, I'm about to get a refreshment. Because you also have to think it's Rob Gronkowski. Like it's not like he was just at home getting massages every single day. Rob Gronkowski was probably out doing some stuff. He was partying. He he, he invested in the, uh cannabis. So yeah. I mean, he did a lot of things like. So he's smoking weed now, which yeah. is his back might be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. when you leave them, them them medications alone that they provide prescribe to him, yeah, yeah, it, you your body a little bit different. He trimmed down. He was slimmer. Um. So we'll see, man. Let's get to uh, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, we we can talk Alvin Kamara. Uh, I know we were talking about Leonard Fournette for a little while, but man, Alvin Kamara when they the fact that they came out and said that they were open to look. They were open to a trade. Okay, I take open to a trade as if okay, we'll listen, but that don't mean we'll trade him. So I was okay with I'm I'm okay with them saying that. Do I actually think that they're looking to trade him? Nah, 
But if somebody were to come out and say, hey, we'll give you a first-round pick and maybe a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick for Alvin Kamara, I think they'll listen to that. But I also think that the Saints, regardless of Alvin Kamara, they're in a position to win. And it's not because it's not really because of offense, though. Even though Mike Thomas, I think, is a top three receiver in the NFL. And Drew Brees, I think Drew Brees is the smartest quarterback in the NFL. But the defense, man, the defense this year is going to be really good for New Orleans. Zach Brown in the third round. That's first. I'm, when I tell you it's top 20 talent and they got him in the third round and I still don't know why. I think the New Orleans Saints defense is going to be a top five defense in the NFL this year. So let me say this. I'll say this, man. One thing for sure, two things for certain. The fucking Saints are goddamn dumbasses. There is no way in hell on God's green earth that you sit here and say that we're open to trading Alvin Kamara. Why not? Why not? As much as you think Alvin Kamara needs you, you need Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, at one point, was one of your top leading receivers as a running back, right? One of your top rushers. And this is what you this is how you do him. He goes and sits out three days of practice, and you sit here and say that. That is an organization that is is showing that that they think that they they are they are better off without a player that they need and they need him a lot. I I'm going to tell you this. Alvin Kamara allowed them to not hesitate, not once, and say bye bye Mark Ingram. What Mark Ingram did for that organization and provided for that organization, they haven't been able to, to find in a running back in some time since probably Deuce McAllister. So what Alvin Kamara is doing now and has been doing consistently, he had he was banged up a little bit last year. But there is no way for you to turn your back on somebody like him. Yeah, and this is the thing, though. It's not to say that they're necessarily turning their back, but it's saying running. Dude, running backs are expendable. We know this today. And the one thing I will say about Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara benefited a lot from Mark Ingram because they were a one-two combination. When it was all on Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara, while he was still pretty good, because he's, I mean, he's a special talent as far as his, like, his abilities, but production-wise, and I get he was he was banged up a little bit last year, but the production was going to drop because he needed Mark Ingram to kind of balance that out. And and but I then, will say this: the the Saints is just like with Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush was there when they drafted him. They thought he was going to be this all in crazy type caliber, the same guy that he was in college. That didn't work out as well as they planned because. The NFL is just a different game. Alvin Kamara is a, is a great talent, but can he can he carry the, everything by himself in the backfield? No, I don't see it. I think that he's a a, a great guy to have as a, a one in a one two combo. 
But by himself, if I'm like, all right, Alvin, it's all on you. You're a three-down running back. Nah, it's not happening. But that's what they did when they went out and and, and they during the stretch when Kamara started to he started to show signs of being very banged up. They went out and got Latavius Murray. Yeah. And Latavius Murray became that guy to help relieve Alvin Kamara from being and helping being that one-two punch. When you have them both healthy, I think that that's when they they have he has success. You can't Alvin Kamara is not a cowbell that you can use as a every down back from a perspective of wanting to use him from the running game and the passing game. You have to be able to use him and without what also without sometimes giving him as many touches, right? So I want I, I, I just want to make it clear, but they need him. And if any team I would expect that to do when the running back is in negotiation, I thought that would have been the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, but they paid Joe Mixon. And they paid Joe Mixon. But let's 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 get one thing clear. Joe Mixon is a better he's uh, he's a he's a more quality talent than Alvin Kamara. He is. Joe Joe Mixon is a, a a a more quality, but not by far. And and the reason why I say Joe Mixon is a more quality because Joe Mixon can give you what we're saying Alvin Kamara can't can, give you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But it's not saying that Alvin Kamara, I mean Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara is that far Behind Joe Mixon, they're still both special talents. Yeah, yeah. So I, agree. I don't want folks to get that twisted by any means. You know what I mean? But Joe Mixon can give you a little bit more than what Alvin Kamara can. Well, I think this is one thing that the uh, Bengals organization kind of thought of when they saw Joe Mixon have those quote unquote migraines and was sitting out for a few days at, uh, at practice. You remember Corey Dillon, right? I didn't know what that was. Bro. Yeah, you remember Corey Dillon. So they can't afford to lose another really, really quality running back. They like, knew. Rudy Johnson was okay, but he wasn't Corey Dillon. They knew what that was, bro. They, they they flat out knew, and that's why the deal got done as quick as it got done. They knew what it was. We and First of all, they they, they couldn't. So, but see, man, that's that's why I, I still am mind-blown about how the Saints treated Alvin Kamara. They both are in positions where the, the organization need them. Joe, the Bengals need Joe Mixon. You got a rookie quarterback that you want to protect and that you want to be the, 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 the golden child. But in order for him to be the golden child, you have to rely on Joe Mixon to carry the ball 15 to 25 times a game. Yeah, no, no. You have to re- you have to rely on him to be your bell cow. And that's 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 just what I, I think the more and more that we see this, the more and more I think players should understand and know these players have more power than they really believe that they have. Because these organizations need them and they need them to be successful. And you also have to think, I mean, the, the reason that it was so important for Joe Mixon and also for Alvin Kamara, this is not only a con, uh, like 
a new contract. It's the second contract. And the second contract is usually like the heaviest one, right? For 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 most NFL players, the second your second contract is usually the one that's like going to like change like the it's going to change the socioeconomic background for you and your family. Not only that, from that perspective, but you got to understand too. Some of these running backs are not coming in as high as a an Ezekiel Elliott, so their their rookie deal is not that big. Exactly, that's what Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara was what like a third or fourth round pick, right? And that's what I'm saying. So guys like Joe Mixon, guys like Alvin Kamara, they've far passed their contract payment. They 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 have they have been already well past perform outperforming their deal. Yeah, and not only to mention Al past performing the deal, but Joe Mixon was a thousand yard rusher with a terrible offensive line. Let's Facts. say let's let's also revisit that. Facts. <laughs> it's not like he just had like a oh okay, he had a, a pretty decent offensive no, the, the offensive line was terrible, but Joe Mixon ran for a thousand yards. And, and then go to Alvin Kamara, same same breath with him. He split carries and had over a thousand yards. yards. Yeah. In a pass happy offense. And he was the better running back that year between him and Mark Ingram, if we're talking statistically. I, I, I when, when, especially for I am these, I'm going to on this podcast. I am going to be the voice specifically for running backs in general going forward because I feel they're treated the worst. And they're the one of the most important positions that organizations fail to think that they're important for. Yeah, and it's crazy because I mean the NFL they, they said that's the most expendable position. Right, and it's not. And I guarantee you this, folks. Watch this NFL season this year and see how many top backs there really truly are. And in separation from that five to six top guys to everyone else. I think I think the running back position is is very big depending upon also one the offense and two how you kind of run the organization. Because if you look at it, I mean the Chiefs won the Super Bowl with Damian Williams, but Patrick Mahomes is a different level of special, right? So I think that in certain circumstances the the quarterback can kind of overshadow what the the running back is worth but Damian Williams was very responsible for them winning the Super Bowl facts so I mean that that's that's a, a weird entity within itself because that really drives that whole the running back is the most expendable position but the quarterback is the most uh important position right because why he didn't win? He didn't win Super Bowl MVP because Patrick Mahomes won it, and I think a lot of it. I mean, Patrick Mahomes did have a very good game, but Damian Williams played a very vital part of them winning that Super Bowl. So, so, so let me just say this: the 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 whole big thing about running backs that people don't fail to realize is running backs bail out terrible quarterbacks. Running, uh, i.e., um, Ryan Tannehill. I, I ain't gonna say terrible, average or below quarterbacks. Right, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. Yeah. Um, running backs also 
make the offense continue to go and keep the defense fresh, i.e. Joe Mixon last year. When they started running the ball, they started to be in games because of what? They ran the ball. Not only do they run the ball to and have success running the ball, they run the ball and hold the defense on the on the sidelines to, to stay off the field as much. You you eat up time clock, right? So I that's why it's hard for me to understand how they continue to sit here and say that the running back position is so expendable as it is when it's very valuable. It is very valuable. And you see the organizations that that really treat their running backs or running the ball as a value piece to the game. Those are the teams that win ball games and eventually, essentially, win Super Bowls. Yeah, no, and I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, but I mean, I, th- I think that the running back position, people, which is weird to me because it's like, all right, so when we talk about skill positions, I think the running back is probably the most popular. Like people know you who you people usually know who to like the I'll say the casual fan, they know who like the number one receiver is half the time, but everybody knows the running back, right? Yeah. Everybody knows the running back. Yeah, because there's some teams that don't have a a very, very popular number one receiver. Yeah, and that's yeah, and then shit, the New England Patriots. Julian Edelman's not the number one receiver, he's just the most popular. Thanks. Like he's well, the most he's the most he's the most well known wide receiver that they have. He's probably he's, their best receiver now, right? Well, he's the best option, but he's not the number one. Like he's not the like the wide receiver. Like I, the, the wide receiver is like the guy playing on the outside on the right hand side. <laughs> we stumbled on the topic though, and that the, the real quick, um, getting into other news, right? New England Patriots um, let go of Mohamed Sanu. Financial reasons. Yeah. Financial reasons. Um, and and they also they they in breaking news they named Cam Newton the starter like they had any other choice. Right. I I don't. They say financial reasons. I, I don't assume that is the the hundred percent truth. Um, you pay a guy, you want him to perform, and Mohamed Sanu hasn't performed. They didn't pay him though. He he got traded from New, yeah, uh, from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're paying a guy, but you want him to perform at at this contract that you're paying him. Yeah. Um. But my hot take in this topic, and we kind of stumbled on it, is I would like to see New England Patriots go out the dance brand. It could look. It could happen because I mean, shit. What do they have to lose as far as receivers go? I mean, they got. Uh, was it Harry Neal, who they drafted last year out of Florida or out of Arizona State in the first round? Julian Edelman, and with the new going shit, who else do they have? I mean, I know they just drafted a receiver this year, but I can't tell you who it was. Yeah, I, I I think Des Bryant will be a perfect fit for that team. I think his work ethic matches with Cam Newton's work ethic match. Um, I think um. The desire and will to prove people wrong matches with Cam Newton's um, attitude matches. Um, I, I I just think there's so many things in common that Des Bryant has with Cam Newton, and I think that will be a great uh, marriage couple, if you will, to play football. Well, I I'll say this: I think that Des Bryant should have. I think that the San Francisco 49ers should have. Ultimately, taking a chance on him 
Well, because especially, especially when Debo Samuel's went down. I know Baltimore had him come in for a workout, but I mean, Baltimore for the type of offense that they want to run with Lamar Jackson, they do need a possession receiver uh, because right now all they have his vertical threats. Yeah, but. I just I don't know what like what kind of happened during that workout, but it, things didn't quite work out in Des Ryan's favor. But San Francisco 49ers, like you literally have like nobody. Like you lose your, your top two receivers from last year. One because he one because he left in sign with the Saints. The other because he got injured, which was Debo Samuel's. The first one being Emmanuel Sanders, but. You have literally nothing to lose. Like you need somebody to for Jimmy Garoppolo to throw to, outside of George Kittle. Yep. And I think Des Bryant would have been a, a perfect fit. You don't have to give him a long term deal. Give him a one year deal. Come in, let him see, let him prove himself. See what he can do still, because he's still only what twenty nine years old, thirty years old. Yep. So it's not like he's completely past his football life. He's been out of football for what two, three years now. So he's, I mean, he's refreshed. I can say that. But, uh, but I mean, him going to the Patriots, it could work. I, I need to kind of see how they let Cam roam in this offense. Is he going to be like a guy that's just playing to Josh McDaniels, or is Josh McDaniels going to like tweak his offense to fit Cam Newton's style of football play? Again, I think we, I explained how Tom Brady performed and how well he played. Tom Brady played to his ability because of what? They did things that Tom Brady, they knew Tom Brady can do very, very well. Right? Yeah. I, I There's no doubt in my mind that the New England Patriots are going to adjust to what Cam Newton can do because there's so much more he can do than Tom Brady can. Yeah, he's a better physically gifted athlete. Yes. And, and I think that's why they were so comfortable with saying, hey, we ain't going to hold out. We, we, we're done. We're, we're done playing this game with Cam Newton. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Cam Newton, our starting quarterback. Yeah. No. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, man. NFL season only a week away. Can't wait. Can't wait. But, uh. Man, speaking of a, a season that's already here, NBA, uh, just to go through kind of what's been happening in the past week, the Raptors are having their hands full with the Boston Celtics. They're down. They're down. Oh two. Right? Oh no. Yeah. No. Oh, oh no. Boston up. Boston is up two zero on the series. Uh, hopefully Toronto can squeak one out to at least try to compete. I don't think they'll win the series because I think Boston is just overloaded with offensive talent. But no, they are. That's a shocker. No, I mean <laughs> compared to the Raptors, they are. Like the, I mean, the Raptors won the first round because they played Brooklyn. Fact. Oh, oh, true. Yeah, so I, it's, I it's, agree. It's, but <laughs> but you you were just so down on Boston. Like Boston's not this team. I I, just, I don't think um, they'll. Go, I think I don't think they'll win the championship. I don't. I don't think they'll even go to the championship. Who's the best team in the Eastern Conference right now? Best team in the Eastern Conference right now is Miami. The winner that Boston, the winner that Boston series is, I mean, the winner that Miami Bucks series is gonna go to the championship game. Well, it don't look like the Bucks going. Well, I mean, that's, the Bucks down how many games? They're, they're down two. And now, down two games. The Bucks are down two games, and now guess what happens? Now all of the the the, the off season talks is coming, 
Giannis is going to Miami. Yeah, who's going to be in the Giannis sweepstake? But that's the thing, though. Does Giannis go to Miami or does Milwaukee say, look, we need to retool some things to get Giannis help? And look, I, I, I will say this. Oklahoma City Thunder, they lost last night to the uh, Houston Rockets. And Chris Paul put a video up today thanking the Thunder organization. And the way that he was speaking sounded like he was very respectful of the organization. But it doesn't sound like somebody who's going to return to Oklahoma City. And I will say this. If if, if Giannis got Chris Paul to come to Milwaukee, if they could somehow work out a deal to get that to happen, look out because... The one thing Giannis is, Giannis is not a great basketball player. He's a great athlete, right? And being a great athlete can only get you so far as far as being like being a championship contender goes. Like you can be a great athlete and be really, really, really good in the uh in a regular season. But when it comes to playoff time, you gotta become a great basketball player. I, I agree. I agree. And I think especially where you're you're playing against Teams that are well coached. Uh, we we talk about it, you know, every time we get a chance to almost. The Miami Heat are probably one of the best well coached teams in the NBA. Period. With the most with the most underappreciated superstar, and Jimmy Butler, a hundred percent. And it's it's just it's one of those things where it's like, I think. I, I think they're the the Milwaukee Bucks might need to make a coaching move, and here's why I say they need to might need to make one. You have Giannis playing to a, at at a position of this point forward to make him happy, but that's not championship caliber basketball. That's not his strength, and. I think it's going to take for either two things to happen for Giannis to, to, to be in a better system. They hire a new coach. Three, get a new player, as in a guy like Chris Paul who could be a facilitator, or leave and go with somebody who can help be a facilitator, or for him to be a, a number two guy instead of a number one guy. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So, and that's funny that you bring that up because on Twitter, Richard Jefferson said that uh, Giannis is a, a Pippen and he needs a Jordan. And then it, that that turned into a whole fiasco. And Scottie Pippen responded saying that I, I'm not a I'm, Giannis is not a Pippen because I never won two MVPs. And then he questioned who. Richard Jefferson was in his career, which I mean, we can we can talk about that within itself. I mean, Scottie Pippen, uh, one of the fifty top, or your top fifty all time greatest players. I can't say the same about Richard Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but even in that sense, but, though, like, but but that I think that's that's I think that's far from the truth. Like Giannis, can he be a number one? He can be a number one option, but he can also have somebody come in and help him learn more about. Being a better basketball player, like that's like those are two totally different things. Like, and, that, and let's be real, it is. But but one can argue, right? That Scottie Pippen is better than Giannis. He's a better well, basketball player, right? Far from MVPs, set aside MVPs. Scottie Pippen carried a team in the Bulls to the Eastern Conference Finals without Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, yeah. 
So I, I it's crazy that, that that Pippen responded that way, and I think he responded from a perspective of hell, Richard Jefferson. Why the hell are you even putting me in this conversation? But then Jason Jay Wills come out and says what? So LeBron, he's like basically saying like so what? LeBron was a, a Pippen to. He was so he was a Pippen for a few years in Miami, which let's be clear. I said it on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Mario Dramus. But LeBron was never a Pippen. LeBron and I'm not even calling him Jordan, but LeBron was never a Pippen. He like, look, let's be clear with Michael Jordan. Did he take a backseat to Scottie Pippen? That's a question. I'm asking you a question. Did he take did he take a did, did he, Michael Jordan take a backseat to Scottie Pippen? I won't say he took a back seat. I will say that Michael Jordan understood that he needed Scottie Pippen. Okay, but he but he didn't. Dwayne Wade came out and clearly said he took a back seat because it had to be Le, like because it was LeBron's team. He said I, I took a back seat. Okay, and that's fine. It's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not even calling Dwayne Wade Pippen. I'm just saying. In this scenario, LeBron James never took a backseat to anybody, especially when he went to Miami because he was in the prime of his career. LeBron James was an MVP in Miami. LeBron James won finals MVPs in Miami. Scottie Pippen, to, and to, all due respect to Scottie Pippen, but he was he was never a finals MVP. Here, here's the here's the difference though, and I think where Jay Will was going at is at at, at, at some point, um, LeBron James was playing at the beginning at a, at a high level, but he was also playing like he wanted to be the number two guy. Like he accepted being the number two guy and offensively in a pecking order, if you will. He did. He needed he needed Dwayne Wade to say, and, and, and I think LeBron would agree to this as well. He needed LeBron to, uh, D. Wade to say, this from a perspective of, of a pecking order, my guy, this is you. You are the top guy on our team for a pecking order. No, I, I, I don't even believe he, that. He, he never – because he, he came out and said it. LeBron, you're our number one option. Well, Dwayne Wade said that to LeBron. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's what I'm saying is – but I think LeBron needed Dwayne Wade because I think he felt – and you can see in this game that he was – he was timid at times for when he should take over and when he should not take over. He was trying to be careful of not overstepping because at the end of the day, you may say that that D-Wade gave him the team. D-Wade didn't give him the team. D-Wade said, you are our number one option. But best believe this, this is always Wade County. Yeah, no, and and I think that LeBron was being respectful of that. I don't think it was just like him like saying, all right, I'm going to take a back seat or anything like that, or I'm waiting on D-Wade to give me the green light. I think it was just more the fact that when you go to somebody's house, right, so, and this is a great example, you go to somebody's house and you like, shit, I got to, like, you playing the game, you like, all right, cool, I don't want to just come and be like, I'm on the sticks when I know I'm the best player, but... You're going to be like, hey, I'm going to wait for you to tell me like I can get on the sticks. And and, you, I, and I think that's what Jay Will, to a certain extent, was kind of alluding to. Let, let's be clear. 
let let me let me say this, and I, and I really want to not sound like I'm discrediting Michael Jordan, but Scottie Pippen played at a very fucking high level. He did. He did. And I don't think Michael Jordan will ever discredit what Scotty did or what Scotty meant for that team. You know what I mean? Because Scotty was a vital part of him winning every single championship. A vital part. hundred percent. So that and I and I think that's what Jay Will was kind of talking about. Um, Giannis doesn't have that guy. And you've talked about it, you've talked about it several times, because Giannis plays like he is that second tier guy, but Giannis doesn't have that other guy with him. Yeah, because what, what did I say before? You're not going to win a championship with Chris Middleton being your second best player because nobody's scared of Chris Middleton. You said it, but guess what? Newsflash, not too many people, when you talk about get out of the first round, yes, yeah, fine. You get out of this first round and not too many people are scared of Giannis because they know you got teams like the Raptors, the Boston Celtics, and Miami Heat, who understand how to play team defense. And they understand how to play championship caliber team defense. Yeah, and I think everybody else kind of knows that. Because, look, let's be honest. To a certain extent, like, Giannis can beat a lot of teams kind of by himself, right? He but, can't beat those but, teams. But when it, become, when it comes to, like, elite teams, championship teams, championship caliber teams, like, it's going to take a lot more than Giannis. So every, so every elite team or championship caliber team is like, Okay, Giannis, you beat it. We'll, we'll take you out of the equation. The rest of the team got to beat us. Yep. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. The rest of the team has to prove to us that they can do it without you. Without you being the, without you being the biggest factor on the court, every other team has to beat us. Like Everybody else on the team has to beat us. And with Milwaukee, what did I say? Mike, we just talked about it the other week. Mike Buenholzer, he's notorious for building good teams, very good teams. In the regular season. But when it comes down to the playoffs, they always come up short to better teams, more challenging teams. And and I, I will say this. The, the Miami Heat are the most well-coached team in the Eastern Conference because he had because Eric Spoelstra has championship pedigree. He does. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I'd be interested to see kind of what Milwaukee does. I mean, if they can't get out of, outside of this round and go to Western or Eastern Conference Finals, I think that they, I mean, they're bound to shake things up in Milwaukee because, I mean, you got Giannis, and I think at some point within these next, well, obviously within the next year, you have to get to the championship game, right? Or you jeopardize losing the best player on the team. Yeah. Probably one of the best guys they've ever had, right? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, one of the best uh, players they've ever had, but you know, and then it's, you definitely have to rebuild if you lose Giannis. Because right. nobody's just been like, oh, you know, I want to go to Milwaukee. <laughs> and they've done a good job with getting guys, the guys that they have got there, right? I don't I don't think that those guys come there if Giannis isn't there. Yeah, nah. No, no, no. Not a chance. I mean, there's some guys who would take a deal cause, just because they get paid a certain amount of money. But as far as, like, the guys wanting to go to – Milwaukee to play there like no nobody's just like oh you know what I want to go to Milwaukee right. I, I don't think that's the case at all but you know I definitely think that something has to shake and you know maybe we do see I, I do think Chris Paul will probably be the best chance for them and not like like it's not even just for the fact that it gives them opportunity to go to the championship for one year but it, it gives Giannis a chance to develop as a basketball player because ultimately that's what that's what he needs right 
Like, that's what you, you need your best player to just not be the, the best athlete on the team, but you need him to be the best basketball player on the team. And not only that, but I, I am, I, I agree with you. Not Giannis probably needs a guy like Chris Paul and you're, you're right. I, I discredit Chris Paul a lot on this podcast. And a lot of it is just I, I, some, some of it I don't like some of the antics he does, right? And sometimes it sometimes he comes off as a as a guy that's um has like short man syndrome to a certain extent. But I'll I'll say this. But what antics though? I just want to know what antics because I like go ahead. I, like, I just like, a know lot, like a lot of it is like some of the way he some of it is how he talks. And some of the the, the, the the type of things that I hear him say. And um, he did a great job of taking his team as far as they went. There's not too many people that would come into this league and take this team at his age where they're at. They he he would have could have been could have and probably should have been focused on uh, a vacation. But he took this team a little bit farther. And the short season helped, right? It allowed them to um, actually make it and not play as many more games. Um, But he did a hell of a job. Hell of a job. And he is a guy who probably could demand a lot more out of somebody like Giannis and, and help take him to the next level. All right, now, and I'll, I'll say uh, just one thing about Chris Paul, right? So I know you said that he, you, you've sent some type of short man syndrome or something like that because of the way he talks and his antics. All right, for one, I, I saw, I've been seeing on Twitter people complaining about Chris Paul and him crying to the referees and being a uh, – so, somebody said that he was a, a – I forget who it was. I think it was Skip Bayless said that he was a, a – a dirty player, like he's been known his whole career for being a dirty. Which I've I've seen maybe two things where I'm like, okay, that was kind of dirty on Chris Paul. I've seen more. Than two I, I've, I've seen like two things or three things where it might be blown. And I think that's blown. But to compare him to like a Draymond Green or like a Marcus Morris, like I think that's beyond beyond overcalled. But Chris Paul, if you think about it, he's been the number one option on every team, right? But doesn't want except be. except for the Houston team. But doesn't want to be. Let's make that clear. <coughs> he shouldn't have had to be on the Clippers team, right? Because when, when remember when he went there, they were like Lob City, Lob City. But Blake Griffin was a one trick pony for for a, a period of time. For a period of time, he was. He was a one trick pony, and then the one thing about Blake Griffin when he did learn to shoot and became a, a kind of like got he developed a jump shot. He wanted the ball in his hands. He didn't know really how to play off the ball. But that's, again, that's when a lot of these guys started realizing how the usage rate helps patent their stats to make them look like a player that, I ain't going to say that they're not, but it helps them look like a better player than they than their stats look, right? And I've said that for the, the numerous of times I mean, I, James Harden, uh, to a certain extent, I mean, Russell Westbrook had a use high. 
uh, high usage rate, LeBron James. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Giannis is another guy. Like, it helps you get to the point where you're in that conversation for MVPs. Wait, because you, I mean, you constantly have the ball in and you're a, yep. a ball dominant player. Yep. And when people think about the team and they think about every possession, they think about you. Yep. So, no, I mean, I get it from that standpoint. But at the same time, like, that was one of the things that kind of destroyed that Clippers team. Like, Blake Griffin really never learned how to play off the ball. But he was also not the number one player on the team. But also, Chris Paul was. But, but I also see, too, that to a certain extent, Chris Paul attitude a little bit has changed as well, right? It's easier to to take on that mentality of, hey, I am going to take these young guys. I'm going to groom these young guys to kind of fit where we, where I kind of see them fit along with the coaching staff. We're going to get them to buy in because I'm Chris Paul. And... I'm going to teach them things along the way and we're going to win ball games because we're going to, we're going to try to outwork people. We're not the best skilled team, but we're going to outwork you. We're going to play defense and we're going to, we're going to play high IQ basketball to a certain extent. And that's what they did. Um, but I don't know if Chris Paul took that stance with the Clipper team as well because they had too much talent. So it's easier to come there and be the vet guy with no talent and have some energy when you're winning games with young guys versus coming in with some vets who are just as talented and gifted as you are and being the leader and actually leading that team how it needs to be led to go to the finals. So, so it's easier for him to do that, not discrediting what Chris Paul done. But I think it, it's a difference when you compare that Clipper team when you're and you talk about this team today. Yeah, no, but you got to think though when he got to the Clippers, they were pretty young. Like Blake Griffin was still pretty fresh in the league. Yeah, but DeAndre Blake, Jordan was like he was still pretty fresh as well. But Blake Griffin and De- DeAndre Jordan at that point had already started to smell themselves in the league. Yeah, I mean Blake Griffin smelled himself before he got to the league. I mean, obviously, you know, right. being that drafted that high and. I, I just think so. Blake Griffin is kind of in the same position as Blake Griffin is is pretty much in the same position as Giannis, right? Where he's like a freakishly good athlete, but the only thing about him is he's a better defender than Blake Griffin was. Yes. So Giannis, like Giannis, has that, and he's just a little bit more developed, pretty like just by like by himself, and he came in the league a little younger, so he's got a couple things working for him. On top of that. But he's just still not a great basketball player. Chris Paul, again, like I said, he's had to be the number one guy. Like, what's going to happen when Chris Paul doesn't have to be the number one guy, but it's a really good team around him? So, like, in Houston, I think they blew it up too early. I do. I think they blew it up. But I think a lot no, of that. No, no, I, no, I think no, a lot no. of that was just because James Harden. Like a lot of that was on ego, and I think him and James Harden weren't seeing eye to eye. James Harden was like, "Hey, let's run like this," and Chris Paul was like, "Hey, nah, that's not a good idea." And, but, and, but but the, but the, again, that goes back to how I compared the the um, Chris Paul with the Clippers and the Chris Paul with the Thunder. The Thunder. 
And Chris Paul has to understand he he had to understand this year to learn patience. And a lot of being a great leader is learning patience to lead your guys with you. And that didn't his leadership style did not work with James Harden. Because James Harden wanted to play James Harden basketball. Yeah, James Harden. I mean, James Harden can't. T- I don't know if he's capable of taking leadership at this point in his career. Because he's like, I already won an MVP. Like, I'm already James Harden. I'm a top five player in the league. Like, at least I'm paid like it. Like, you can't tell me nothing. And and they're both egos gotten away. Had Chris Paul probably been a lot more patient as if he was probably now? I, I don't know the dynamics, right? But 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 I know that to a certain extent, Chris Paul's ego as well played a part in this. Yeah, but I, and they I, both didn't get along. I think, but I think that was more on James Harden because I mean, if you look at it, why would you? You guys were one game away from winning the championship. Chris Paul doesn't get hurt. A lot of people really believe that the Rockets could have won that series, right? So why would you trade? Out the ingredients of a winning team, and look at them now. I mean, do you really think they have a, a, a opportunity to beat? I mean, they have opportunity to beat the Lakers, but they don't really have a chance to beat the. Like they won't. The, Anthony Davis is about to run rapid in this in this game. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of this, we just watched Kimball Walker dance. And um, make probably one of the best basketball plays by anyone um, <laughs> to a guy who you probably wouldn't see take the, sh- the last shot. And uh, Kimber Walker just made a, a no, almost a no look bounce pass kind of sideways um, to Titus for a jam to take the lead and probably win the game because there's only five tenths of a second left on the clock. Um, which it was kind of selfish because Marcus Smart was wide open at the top of the key, but I guess we can, we can take a a game winning a game winning layup over Marcus Smart probably trying to jack up a three. Facts. Um, so this this probably seals the deal. Um, point five left. Like I said, after um, can Toronto get swept? Can, can Toronto the, is getting swept? Can, can think, the defending can the reigning defending champion be swept? Yeah, the the reigning defending champions will be swept. Um, I, I talked about this with my boy, uh, Walt. Um, he listened to the podcast, friend of the show. Um, let him know uh, after game two that Toronto was getting swept. Um, but he did want me to make sure that we put a little bit more respect on Kimball Walker's name as well. Uh, so I wanted to make sure I brought that to, our, to your attention. Oh, Last no. week in the podcast, we talked about the only two options to a certain extent was Jalen Brown and Jason uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and I got a lot of Jalen Brown is like one C, Kimball Walker's one B, and Jason Tatum is one A. Um, and, uh, and, and he put that he put that Jalen Brown is the X factor when you talk about other teams with duos and oh oh no no let's refer let's hey fellas. Ladies and gentlemen, sorry. Well, look um, like no Toronto just won that. Toronto just won this game. Toronto just they're, won this game. They're, they're not getting swept. Um, you're, we're watching this live. They they will speed. do a replay. It will be a replay. There on will it. be a replay, but it looks like um, point five seconds. Point five. He caught it and shoot. 
Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's good. Hey, that's game. That's game. It was out of his hands. Jalen Brown. It was out of his wide open. Uh, I I can't believe this is just happening right in front of our eyes. Um, but yeah, that 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 is another thing I want to talk about. Um, other than this, man, uh, NBA playoffs have been great. Um, I think it's lit. It's lit. It's lived up to the expectation for the for the most part. Um, I like this bubble basketball. These guys are focused. There's no home court advantage. Like I, I like this basketball. Um, we've seen OKC and and the um, Houston Rockets series was a very good series. Um, to a certain extent, the Blazer Lakers series started out as a great series. Um, I, I like this basketball. I mean, the Clippers Dallas series was a great series. Luka gets a little bit banged up. Then you turn around and um, Kristaps Porzingis gets hurt. And that kind of changes the dynamic of the series. But that was a great series as well. Um, I, I am very interested to see um, now what this Boston-Toronto Raptors series turns out like. Because uh, this is probably the first close game, really, right? Game one and game two kind of was a little bit out of hand. But I think two kind of got a little bit close. But um, I, I just like playoff basketball in the bubble. I, I, I am a fan. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think that obviously you take out the equation of players having to travel as much, so there is less wear and tear on the body. They're more rest, more well rested, so they're. I mean, their legs are fresher. Their bodies are more prepared to go into a game of basketball. And I mean, I think that's kind of the the whole thing of home court advantage. But do we really care about home court advantage? When we see really good series, no, I don't. Yeah, no, I mean, we just really we want to see good games. We, I mean, that's what it is. We want to see great games night in, night out because it's playoff basketball. It's not just like a regular season game. It's for everything. So we want teams to be at their best every single night. We want to see games come down to the wire. That's what I mean. That's what we live for yep. as sports fans because I mean these guys get paid x amount of dollars. And we as fans are consumers of the sport. So for our money, for our dollar, we want the best possible results on the court every single night. So when we invest in our teams, we invest in these sports, then that's what we want to see. Night in, night out. And Bubble Ball is giving us that. Great quality basketball every almost every single night. Yep, these guys are just focused on basketball, um, and, and it shows that any any team can possibly can win and and, and, and compete. Yeah, but I, I will say this. I'll get back to your point about Kimba Walker. I don't have an issue with Kimba Walker, but do I think – look, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are – I still think that they're the number one and number two option on the team when you talk about top two players. on. I think that Kimba Walker is, yeah. a, is a great basketball player, and it has – the best step back, the best pure step back in the NBA. I don't know if it's best. The, pure. the, the best pure, but, the best but, pure step back in the NBA belongs to Kimba Walker. But Kimba Walker has carried a team that we haven't seen Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown do by themselves. But they came pretty close just a few years ago. Together. Together. Kimba Walker has carried the 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 Hornets by himself. Where did the Where did the Hornets go? 
They went in a, in a different direction. That's where they went. Let's be real. They went in a different direction. But, but because it wasn't but, working with Kemba. Did they? But they did not go in. Kemba did not want to be there. Kemba didn't want to be there because look, they weren't a playoff team. And look, but they were they were competing to be a playoff spot type team. With Kimball Walker because of Kimball Walker. In the Eastern what, Conference? In the Eastern they, Conference. They should, they should have made the playoffs almost every single year if Kimball was the number one option. Let's be let's be honest about all that. I'm saying is, all I'm saying is this. Kimball Walker has carried a team by himself. We have yet to see Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum do that by themselves. They've done it together, but not by themselves. So, and, and, and the real reason why I think we didn't talk about him in the last podcast as much is because we we did not know which Kimbo we were really getting because of the injury. Yeah. So and I made that clear to him when I spoke with him was that that is the real true reason why yeah, I think I got a lot of I got a lot of love and respect for yeah, Kimbo. We love Kimbo 100%. So I I wanted to make sure you understood that as well that it wasn't because of we're kind of discrediting to a certain extent, but we also knew in the, and and talked about the injury factor as well, and we don't know which Kimball we were going to get. So that that's kind of why he wasn't brought up in that conversation. I still think Kimball Walker is probably the next best option other than Jason Tatum. Um, and then I'm, it's Jalen Brown. I, I would go Jalen Brown over uh, – but, I mean, I, you pick your poison. You know what I mean? It's to, yeah, I think that's comparing apples to oranges when you talk about Kimball Walker versus Jalen Brown. It, also, it all depends on what you like. You know what I mean? I think Jalen Brown, especially when he gets hot, is the best player on the team, and that's just that's my opinion. I know a lot of people. I know you. I know you love Jason Tatum. I don't know if it's the Duke factor or what it is, but it, it's, it, it's, it's got something to do with that. But but a lot of it is just more like the. I mean, he has that. He has that. I think he has that Mamba mentality. But I, I think Jalen Brown. Well, I mean, he's not. He's not like a replica of Kobe Bryant. But I think Jalen Brown's got great intangibles. He's very very athletic and he's become a much better shooter so i mean i think when you look at that and i also think this regardless of what just happened i know he kind of blew his assignment but jalen brown is actually a pretty good perimeter defender as yeah, well 100 yeah so i mean but like i, I mean i that, that, I, I do think is a well coached team yeah brad stevens yeah brad, brad stevens is a very good coach yeah uh but i think this is what this is the difference i think jalen brown Kind of, he kind of missed that window of opportunity to become the team superstar. While Jason Tatum is emerging as the team superstar, and that's the difference. Yep. There's one more thing that I would like to talk about. Um, we talk about the NBA, and we get, we got uh, we got two two things that are merging to be changes in the NBA. Uh, we got one is Jason Kidd is now taking over our. Not Jason Kidd, I'm sorry. Steve Nash is taking over the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And the other one is Tyron Lue is um, in, 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 in negotiation of, of inking a deal with the 76ers. What is your thought on uh, – let's start with Steve Nash. What is your thought on Steve Nash taking the Brooklyn Nets job? I think the Steve Nash deal came down to – the Brooklyn Nets feeling like that team can be the next Phoenix Suns team from 2005, 2006. 
And I, I think that they're building real unrealistic expectations. Uh, look, I get it. Steve Nash was a point, a, a Hall of Fame point guard, and he did great things in Phoenix. I, I do think that Steve Nash will try to do the running gun thing, like Mike D'Antoni has done down in uh, every world with shit everywhere he's gone. Right? He's gonna. I think he's gonna have the same coaching philosophy: high power offense, go go go, little to no defense. But they'll out. They'll try to outscore everybody. And it may work in the East. It may. You got KD and you got Kyrie. The issue is both of them are kind of injury prone, right? When, like, you talk about you have to be very, 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 very well conditioned to play in that Mike D'Antoni offense. And what's the one thing about KD, right? He's had what type of injuries uh, in his career? Leg injuries. That's the only thing that worries me. When you got a guy who's had a history of leg injuries and you try to put him in a possibly, more than likely, a running gun offense, like, yeah, KD's already one of the greatest scorers that the NBA has ever seen. Putting him in an offense, if he can stay healthy, it'll be dangerous. I also say this, Kyrie will benefit a lot from it if he can stay healthy also because he'll become a better passer, hopefully. But it's, it's going to be try to try to just replicate that type of system and do I do I think it was deserved no especially not a four-year deal it's, it's a first-time head coach on a four-year you're committing to four years of the unknown why at most I would have probably said okay they give him a two-year deal just to try him out to see what happens because you got a team that's already made the playoffs but you you're, you don't even have your best players you don't have your top three players the top three players that they have on the roster Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving Spencer Dinwiddle and then you got Karis LeVert. You went to the playoffs without those top, you went into the playoff bubble without those top three players, right? You get those players back, okay, cool. Let's see where we can go. Steve Nash running a running gun type offense. Uh let's see. Because I, I think it's gonna be a lot of adjustment to made. A, a lot of adjustment has to be made, shall I say. And then we'll see how it goes. Second of all, I think that Jacques Vaughn got the butt end of the deal. They paid him a lot of money to well, he's the highest paid assistant in the in a in the NBA. So he took over took over. They paid him a lot more than they, Jason they, Kidd. They, yeah, they they paid him more money, but kept him on as the assistant. Which I'm okay with him making that much money, but why not just give him the the head coach position? Because he shows you that he can coach you and lead you into the playoffs. The players seem to have a good rapport with him. And you know what? While they weren't the most talented team in the bubble or in the playoffs for that matter, they took the Raptors to a pretty a pretty good length in the playoffs. You're talking about the defense. Even though they didn't have Kawhi Leonard, that's still the defending championship team. And they, while they didn't take them to game seven, they still gave them a pretty good run. Like, so I, I think that Jacques Vaughn on that end got the butt in the deal. I didn't think he would stay. But because I thought he was really qualified to be the head coach somewhere else, if not there. He could have went to the Pacers and been the head coach. But I guess we'll see what happens with Steve Nash, and those are my initial reactions. So my initial reaction was a mix, right? Um, One, um, having some conversations with with some guys about this, and and my, my first initial reaction was, what the hell are they doing? 
I know everybody's like, wow, Steve Nash, you know, this guy that, you know, is this two-time MVP, um, kind of high IQ guy, but not kind of, a high IQ guy. I don't want anybody to get this, get that twisted. And, and knows the game. And my my thought was, why now? Why sign a guy like Steve Nash that nobody had on their radar um, as a potential that y- you don't know what's going to happen in this offseason? And, you know, talking to a couple guys, talking to my guy, Walt, man, shout out to Walt. Um, he 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 kind of gave me some information that I didn't know about Steve Nash. I didn't know Steve Nash was on as a as a advisor and as a guy for the um the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, he was a consultant. A consultant advisor. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Um I, I didn't know that he trained he trained KD in the offseason. I so with him being close and then seeing photos of Kerr or or not Kerr with uh, Nash and KD hugging after they won the finals and and things like that, I kind of have a, a understanding of why it was done, right? But I also thought was what the hell? There's other people that are qualified, right? Um, I thought Ty Lue was qualified for the job. Um, I thought. Uh, Jay Kidd was qualified for the job. Now I know Jay Kidd has some some issues with you know personal issues. We're we're not gonna go into that, but I I felt that that there was a quality. He he was qualified for the job. I thought there was a guy. I mean, we talked about him in um um Sam Cassell. It is another guy that I think is very qualified for a job. It's been a good assistant coach around the league and, and there's more right um so I, I felt that those guys needed to be and I and I and I failed to to remember that they did talk to Tyloo and something may have not worked out but initially I was like well why didn't they interview somebody who has head coaching experience if 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 people don't understand one thing about me is I am always going to be for guys that have the experience. When we talked about Zach Taylor, I switching for football for two seconds, I said I didn't like the hire because he didn't have head coaching experience. And he won a great offensive coordinator. Well, he wasn't an offensive coordinator. But for he was a, well, he was a, a UC. He was a, a UC in college. He was in college. He he was never an NFL coordinator. No, he was so, an interim. He was an interim. So, so switching gears back to Steve Nash, Steve Nash was never a head coach. And, and I get it. You know, some of the arguments that I heard was Steve Nash is a point guard. He's, a, he's one of the best point guards that ever played the game. And as a point guard, you're, you're an extension of the coach. But there's a difference. It's a huge difference. <laughs> um, it, we can't always translate players that are um, Hall of Fame guys, two-time or, or or just one-time MVP or several MVPs or several NBA champions equate to being a great coach. 
just because you were a great player doesn't mean that you will be a great coach. And vice versa. And vice versa. Hell, we look at Michael Jordan, and I don't think he's a great owner. Best player to ever play the game. Not a great owner. So I, I was I was I'm mixed, and I'm still mixed. I I have a better understanding of why they did it. But my whole thought process is too is get somebody that's proven. And here's why. You 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 hit it on the head. You have a team that made it to the playoffs without your top guys. Not just your top guys is a is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. We're talking about two perennial superstars that are in this game, probably top 10, two top 10 players on the same team. If you don't get one thing right, you have to get coaching right for those guys so that you can win a championship. And you, I would think you would want to have someone who has championship caliber experience so that you can get to the championship and win the championship. Because when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving come back, along with their other guys that are on that team, that is a championship or bust team. And I want that to be clear. When you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on a team, if you don't win a championship, you haven't done your job. And I get it. It's hard. It is very hard to win a championship. But again, just like a, just like uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yes, they don't have the great pieces, and we talk about the pieces that they have around them. If they do not win a championship this year, they have done a disservice to their team and the organization because they don't, they do have not won the championship. When you have those two guys on the team, a championship is expected. You cannot have. Again, the Clippers, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, a championship is expected. If it's not a championship does not happen, you failed. You look at Doc Rivers and you failed. And, and so you look at um, the, the Lakers coach and you failed if you don't win a championship. So I felt that that's that's a lot of pressure on a rookie coach. To get him into an environment that should be a championship or bust situation. And, and that a proven coach possibly would be a better fit with him being maybe an assistant, a head assistant coach. Um, I expected a team like the Rockets or... The Dallas Mavericks, Phoenix. actually. The Dallas ain't getting rid of Rick Carlisle. No, I'm saying like a head assistant coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not but I'm, I'm talking head about head coach. coach. I expected a team like Phoenix. I expected a team like the Rockets if they got rid of D'Antoni. I expected teams who are kind of think they're on the cusp but or trying to get to just being a playoff team to take a chance on a guy like Steve Nash versus a team who's should be a championship or bust team taking a, ch- a chance on Steve Nash. And, 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 and that's why I'm confused. That's it. Hell, even if 
Even if Sacramento would have brought him in, I would have probably been okay with that. But but that's another team. That's another example of hell. The, the Milwaukee Bucks. Because right? what do, what do we got to lose? We Sacramento Kings have nothing to lose. We if we get fire Rick, if we fire Luke Wallen and you know shit, that's just okay. Now we just got a new head coach, right? So that that's kind of where I was getting at. Was like it was like a championship caliber team. That that's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure. Um, and I think it's more pressure than Steve Nash have ever had as a player. So to to have this as a head coach, I, I wish him well. I hope it works out for uh, the Brooklyn Nets. I, to a certain extent, I don't hope that they win the championship because that means the Lakers won't win one. But I, I think Brooklyn has a they they're running out of time. And if Steve Nash doesn't work out, then what? Um, to your comment about four-year deal, I think the four-year, three-year, four-year deal is kind of the norm for a head coach, regardless of their 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 um, I, I guess their ability and what they've done. Unless it's an interim, a team is taking on the interim guy or giving a guy an extension. But usually, when you see like a four-year deal being done, it's because okay. We've got to build something, so we got to see what you have within that four years. If you can help build in the right direction, no, the Nets' job, like they've already built the team, like the team's already built, like not not even considering this year, but like next year, the team's already built. KD's coming back, Kyrie's coming back, Spencer Dinwiddie's coming back. Like you have a team, like Deion a championship. Jordan. Yeah, you you have a championship caliber team so you don't have to build anything within that four years the team that you have now you have to win with that team so giving him a two-year deal i would have been like okay with a third year being a team option no this is just a flat-out four-year deal and then if they don't if it don't work out within that four years and they fire him they still got a pain so to give him a, a flat-out four-year deal, like, as a first-time head coach, like, I'm weary about that. But that just makes me believe that they have the utmost belief in him that he can win or at least take him to a championship within the, the next two years. Which, I mean, really, the how big is the window? The window is about two years. Yeah, it is. Their window is about two to three years. Yeah, it's, it's not It's not like it's a huge window. Like. Uh- I mean, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they're young, right? They're, they're young, but th- how young are their bodies? You know what I mean? That's what you got to take into consideration. Like, age in sports have, like, like age is, is kind of like, you got to put, like, five years on a player from their real age. Because, the, especially think about because they guys play in the offseason, and then they've been playing for X amount of years. How many minutes have they played within their career? And then you got to think about the injuries on top of the, that the players already had. Like, KD already, like we said, like I said earlier, he already doesn't have great legs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he's got a, a history of foot and leg injuries. The good thing is you're bringing two guys in. You, people thought that the Cavs – had success and been at the, the ability to sit LeBron James while Kyrie Irving is taking over a game and sit Kyrie Irving while LeBron James is taking over a game. The ability to sit Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is taking over a game and then vice versa sit uh, Kevin Durant while Kyrie Irving is taking over a game is very, very different than with LeBron, those that duo was with LeBron. 
because of the ability that Kevin Durant has. Um, Kevin Durant can score in bunches probably better than anybody else in the league, maybe next to James Harden. Uh, it's probably kind of another guy that can score in quick bunches and not do much, right? Not exert a lot of energy. So I, I, I think it'll be... I think it'll be interesting to see. I think their window is probably a little, little bit longer than two years, but um, it'll be it'll be real interesting to see what they do. I mean, and then they got other uh, guys that they will probably have the key guys that they'll have to sign back um, with those two years. But it'll be interesting to see. Now with the 76ers, how do you feel about that since you've been high on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? The Tyron Lou thing, I, I, like I kind of get it because he, you know, he did coach that Cavs team. He's got a pretty great relationship with LeBron James, uh, so I think coaching LeBron could kind of help him coaching Ben Simmons and just being an NBA, a former NBA player himself. I mean, he wasn't a great point guard, but he wasn't terrible. Uh, so I, I mean, I think, and also I think coaching under Doc Rivers this season really helps him as far as like his head coaching basketball IQ and putting like lineups out there. But I, I, I will say this: I still think Jason Kidd was the better overall uh, coach for the job. I, I'm still not too thrilled with him firing Brett Brown because I don't think he was the the serious issue. But I mean, I'm not totally dissatisfied with Tyron Lue as a head coach. I mean, obviously, with LeBron James, he won a championship in Cleveland. So, I mean, he was fired for coaching a bad team after LeBron left. Let's just be real. That's I mean, that's what he got fired for. Uh, and he was getting paid a, a buku amount of money. So, <laughs> so I mean, they, they kind of had to take that hit. So, uh, him going to Philly... They can be. I just want to see what he like. What he does there that'll be different than Brett Brown. You know what I mean? Like, what is his coach? Because when this coaching, when he had a, a coaching philosophy in uh, in Cleveland, it was, "Hey, LeBron, what do you think we should do?" So now I want to see what he goes there and does. Yeah, and I I think this is a very good opportunity for Ty Lue to take this job. I think it um, allows him to be able to, quote-unquote, get out of the, the, the shadows of, of coaching LeBron. Um, he's coached with Doc Rivers multiple occasions. He has. He's coached with Doc Rivers at Boston the first stint. Um, then he went over to the Clippers another stint, and then he came back with the Clippers after this stint um, with Cleveland. So I, I think this is a great opportunity for him to – showcase his coaching ability um, that I think a lot of people overlooked because he had LeBron James. Um, a lot of, Oftentimes, a lot of people give a lot of credit to LeBron James for coaching that I think he should, then, then they should. They give, they give the coaching um, to LeBron James as if he is the coach and he's not the coach. Um, so I, 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 I think it's a great hire. I think it's a guy who understands how to manage two guys who have some type of ego to a certain extent. Um, he's a champ- champion. He's a, he's a champion. And you can't take nothing away from that. Um, yeah, one championship as a player with the Lakers and then as a coach with the Cavs. Yep. So you can't take nothing away from that. And I think that, that is a I think that is a good hire for them. And I think that we'll see probably a better play if they continue to keep those uh, core guys together. 
Yeah, but I will say this though before we get off topic. <laughs> I, I, I will say this about uh, the whole Tyron Lou thing. Um, Jason Kidd, I think, would have been great for the development of Ben Simmons, and I just kind of want to see now what Ben Simmons does under Tyron Lou. Uh, I, I think Jason Kidd and Ben Simmons have a lot of similarities. I know people push a lot of the LeBron thing on Ben Simmons just because of his genetic makeup. But when you talk about Ben Simmons, like as an actual player, him and Jason, a young Jason Kidd especially, have a lot of things in common. They weren't great shooters. Uh, well, Jason Kidd wasn't a great shooter coming to the league. Like Ben Simmons isn't a great three point shooter. Isn't known for three point shooting. He's very, a very good rebounder. Knows about positioning well, and he's a bigger point guard who's got a great kind of eye on the court. Like he's a floor general. Which Ben Simmons is. And also, he's a pretty good perimeter defender. So, I, I think those are things to also like keep in mind when I say Jason Kidd, is the, like the, he's got more potential to be a, a better head coach for that team. And it's not because I discredit Tyron Lue because I think that Jason Kidd, what he, brought to the, what he would have brought to the team would have been more beneficial for Ben Simmons, who could potentially be their best player after Joel Embiid. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't wait to see what these these new teams do. I think the Eastern Conference just got better on both ends from, uh, I say, Philly and I say with the Brooklyn Nets, and I can't wait to see next season and what they do. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see where Nate McMillan goes. We can talk about that on a different podcast at a different time. But, man, college football uh, is starting this week. So, man, we can be <laughs> – the season, the season has come, so we'll see how it goes. Obviously, Big Ten, uh, considering uh, not having a season now, they got to do some voting. But man, do does the Big Ten need this? I, and I think that they do. You know, I was not on board with them sit like sit or uh, playing the season this year, but looking at it now, man, the Big Ten they may need this because if you look at it, the the SEC and the A and the ACC, right, are probably the, the top two conferences playing this year. And I won't even say probably, but they are. Like I think the Big Twelve is kind of third after them. But man, I feel like the Big Ten is gonna lose out on a whole lot of money. Like, and do they necessarily need the money? In a sense, no, but they do because. The Big Ten, like every other conference, is top-heavy. But, like, Alabama, I mean, the SEC can be, they can afford to be top-heavy because the top teams generate a whole lot of money. A whole lot of money. And it's about five of those teams at the top when you talk top tier. The A, the ACC, they can afford it because Clemson alone generates enough money for them. Big Ten... Outside of Ohio State, I mean, you got Wisconsin is a pretty good team year in, year out. They may go to a Rose Bowl. They're not going to the college football playoffs. Michigan, shit, they got to they gotta even, shit, they they going to have to watch college football playoffs with me next year. Even if they play. That's just the truth. And I love, I, lo- I love Michigan. I love to hear that come out of your mouth. But 
outside of like outside of those three teams, like what teams are we checking for in the Big Ten that they can really afford to lose money on? With Nebraska, nah, Northwestern. Let, let, let's be clear though, right? Not not as a not only as a as a as a Big Ten as a conference as a whole, but these these organ these universities need football to help fund everything else on their campus. Of course they do, and that is very very needed for these universities. And it's just shocking that it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out because of financial impact of not playing football for the other sports and just the university in general. Yeah, no, and that's the truth. I mean, and my thing is because if if they let's say they they don't play it all this year, right? Then next year whatever they make is kind of making up for this year. So they'll always be a year behind. It's just like if you ran a store and you shut down for an entire year, you really are still, you're really not out of the hole. Like you're not really seeing a profit, right? You're not, you're not seeing a profit because you're already, you're a year behind. Yeah. You're still paying for this space, but you, you just don't have any income. So you're in debt. And then you see every other every other store around you making money profiting, but you're not. Yeah, and the, and the hard part is is these these organizations, I keep saying, it, or universities are most of them are nonprofit or universities, and which means that they the money has to the money that comes in we can't save it and say oh yeah we're gonna spend it next year, money got to come in and come out in one year, and you can't have a profit in a nonprofit organization. So it, it is I, like you see our uh, Ohio State, for example, they are uh, a nonprofit university. That money has to come in and that money has to go out. And it's hard for it to go out to appropriate places if you ain't got it coming in. So it, it'll be real, real interesting to see how this shakes out. Um, I know you sent me an article today that talked about how um, it's like the, that. the Penn State uh, have done some testing on some COVID cases um, for for them teams, uh, symptomatic and asymptomatic, and um, they found that there's muscles around the heart that have issues with some of these players. Yeah, and it's um, got like myocarditis. Yep, and it's about thirty to thirty-five percent of their players have it, um, and which can be potential issues. So I, I'll be interested to see what the Big Ten does when they go to vote. Um, I thought it was really interesting to hear that, you know, months ago we talked about the Big Ten said no one really voted against having a college football season, and then now we finally hear. The opposite, right? Where it was only three teams that said, "Hey, we want to play." It, it is. It. I think the Big Ten is doing a bad job of putting out information to the people, um, putting out um, correct information, and putting out something that's useful to the people so that we can understand what's going on. What I hope and pray that they understand what's going on is you're hurting recruiting by doing this 
Yeah, no, nah, not only here in recruiting, but I mean, let's just be let's be real. The Big Ten is just America. It is the Big Ten is just America right now because everything that we thought we know, we don't know. Because I mean, all these numbers come out, but like, is it like can we believe these numbers, right? Like just with like with COVID, like and I look, I trust me, I take I take the whole pandemic very seriously, but you're telling us that. We have this many cases, but how many of these cases are false positives? Because every time you look up, you say, and and then we see numbers come out. Then they say, oh, well, it was like 50% of the cases were false positives. Because you, how many, how many times can you diagnose somebody with COVID? They'd be like, okay, well, you really got it this time or it's a false positive. And then you also have to think of, if you're giving out this many tests, what's the quality of the test, right? Because if if you're gonna do something every every three days, because they get tested what three three times a week, right? Two or three times a week. The players. Yeah, the players get tested two or three times a week. Yep. How many? Like, what what's the quality of the test? Because is every test is it is it a, like the the highest quality that you can get, or is it just like okay, well we give you. One quality test per week. Or are we, are we giving you one quality test per month and everything else just kind of, ah, we just going to just give you a... Because I mean, there are different quality tests, right, for COVID that they give out. Um, that's, the, that's, that's the rumor because it depends on how much money you're spending. Yeah, it might be. I, mean, I, I agree that there's something going on. I agree COVID is real. I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah, not. yeah, COVID is 100% real. I, I just, but how much can, how much of what they're putting out can we believe is a hundred percent facts? Because this is the United States, and we're talking about the United States, it is uh, it's hard for me to get grasp what all is really truly going on when uh, some of the things that are going on. To a certain extent, it seems like a money ploy as well. A way to get money, a way to kind of... I mean, you think about it. Like, why is the quality of tests different for the amount of money you spend? You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like some of this is like a money... There's like a money grab or a money scheme within something that is very, very serious. Well, Eric, that's called capitalism. 100%. (laughs) And, but but should you have capitalism on something like this? They have it on our health. Why wouldn't they have it on this? Let's be, let's be let's be Touché. real. Touché. I, I have no nothing else to say but that. Um, we're, we're I don't want to turn this into a sport uh, health podcast. We're a sport podcast. Um, but yeah, touche. I I I agree. I, I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean. I, I really hope that they, you know, do decide to play football. Even though, you know, I'm always in the, the best interest of keeping the players healthy. And I think players who decide that they don't want to play this year and they want to forego this season, then they should. I think Justin Fields is a top five player in college football. Do I necessarily want him to play? I do because, I, I I mean, I enjoy watching him play if I watch Ohio State game. But, Whoa! Oh! No, I, he, he's a... a Every year, I, I'm starting to see this trend. And every year, you're becoming more and more 
You you no, like no, 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 no. don't discredit what I'm about to say. Every year you find at least one Buckeye to love. I've, and has been and it's been this way for a while. The the last Buckeye that I said I loved was Ezekiel Elliott because I think he's a special talent. I I really I really did like uh, uh the running back just came out uh J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. You I, loved him. Uh, yeah, I loved Dobbins because mm-hmm. I, I think that he had great work ethic, just like Ezekiel Elliott. And I think that uh, he he kind of plays to his he plays to his strength. He doesn't try to be overly flashy. Uh, and you know he he hits the corner, he turns the corner, and then he goes hundred miles like an hour. Boom, man. Yeah. Yeah, because Boom was the same type of running back though. He 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 hit a corner and then he took off. Like he's not trying to be flashy, but he's going to give you a great game. I'm just Chase Young. Uh, I think Chase Young is a great athlete. I don't love Chase Young, but I do think he's a great athlete. As a football, like somebody who's who loves football, yeah, I love Chase Young. But uh, I mean, I'm I think he he should have been the number one pick. But outside, I don't I don't love like love him. Nah. I think outside of Ezekiel Elliott and Dobbins, the last Buckeye I loved just watching was probably Chris Gamble. And that's because Gamble played both sides. I, I, I'm just starting to see a trend with you. No, but and I, I like it. But I do I do like Justin Fields, though. I do really like Justin Fields. I, and I like it. I, I like the trend. I, I If you ever... Would like to come over to the red and, 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 and the scarlet and gray side, my friend. You 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 have my stamp of approval. Um, I I know Jim is giving you some rough years right now. Um, so if you're willing to and wanting to, you always have that invitation. Nah, my I, I'm okay. I, I think I stay. Uh, I represent my Wolverines every year, like I have been. Uh, since the age of nine, so I'll be okay. Okay. But well, well I, that's extended if you ever want it. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate it, but I don't need it. I, I'm okay. I bleed blue. I haven't told you. You don't rant and rave about any of the guys that you love from Michigan as much as you have the last few Ohio State guys. That's, but I, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. No. And, and I mean that's fair. I mean I will say this. I think the last. Michigan Wolverine that I loved was probably Rashad Gary. Rashad Gary is probably the last Michigan player I loved. I uh I take that back. Uh, I I I didn't hear the love for him. So who Rashad Rashad, Rashad yeah, Gary? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't him, hear that. Yeah, him, okay. him and uh, Jabril Peppers. I love both of them. Peppers, I I. I I heard that from you, but yeah, no, nah, I love Rashad Gary. Rashad Gary is the number one player in the country, and he and he chose us over Ohio State. Why wouldn't I love him? <laughs> so nah, but uh, yeah, nah. I mean, I I'm trying to think who did I love anybody last year? No, not Donovan Peoples Jones. I did, but he he wasn't healthy all last year. But I, I really I do like Donovan Peoples Jones, Cleveland Brown now. But yeah, I, I did like Donovan Peoples Jones a lot, but. That I love him, nah, not necessarily. And I will say this: I think Shea Patterson came and he underachieved. Barry, he, he under- got he got a whole lot of hype. Even after he did bad, he got a whole lot of hype. Well, the thing he just couldn't stay away from turnovers. Yeah, 
But you know, that's, I mean, that happens when you play the Buckeyes, man. When you when you play that deep that stout defense, you gonna turn the ball over. Nah, yeah. it wasn't just about the Buckeyes. I went to I went up to actually when when I went to the game up in Michigan in the big house, and I saw them play against Indiana. Indiana almost beat them, and a lot of it was because of Shea Patterson. I'm like, like in person, like the eye in the sky don't lie. And what I saw from Shea Patterson out there, I felt like he tried to do a he tried to do way too much, and he overcomplicated the system, and and he kind of underachieved. He just did. So who's the quarterback now? Uh, McCaffrey. McCaffrey's quarterback now. So we'll see. I mean, hopefully we get to see some we get to see some games this season from the Big Ten. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I always want to see my boys on the field. Yeah, but um, the one thing I'm not in favor of, though, like no college football playoffs. Like, I mean, I get it. You still want to have a, a season because players still want to go out there and play. And obviously you try to get the money from the TV contracts. Uh, but it's just like you playing a season without hopes for a championship. Then what's the point of playing? I, I think I think if you're – if the Buckeyes join – if the Buckeyes come out and say, hey, we're ready to play for the fall, uh, we might not start this week. We'll start two, three weeks from now because they've been practicing still. Yeah. They they haven't they haven't changed anything as far as they're practicing as of yet. So um, I think if, if the Buckeyes if the, – not the Buckeyes, but the Big Ten itself um, joins, I, I think you, why, why not? You already basically have um, basically the top conference playing football – and then you you have the representatives typically outside of maybe a Big Twelve team that's that's typically playing in the playoffs every year. I think you will be able to field it more than the ACC and and the uh, SEC, and it'll make it a, the college playoffs a little bit more enjoyable um, to watch versus watching maybe two ACC and SEC teams play. And I I can agree. Uh, I can agree with you more. So. Hopefully something comes about with that, and we'll see a decision uh, apparently this weekend. So uh, on the next episode, we can talk about it a little bit more. But uh, you got anything you want to say before we get out of here? Um, continue, continue, continue to say um, justice for Breonna Taylor. Um, this week we we saw some, um, I, I want to say, the worst things that we've ever seen from some political or judicial officials by trying to um, force, I think, Breonna Taylor's ex-boyfriend to, or boyfriend, one of the two, that is caught up in some type of issues that he had, try to also uh, basically say that Breonna Taylor was a part of like some drug ring um, to kind of discredit her name and, 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 he did the right thing by saying they tried to offer him a plea deal by asking him to agree to that. And he said, no, um, I, I think that is just one of the most disgraceful things that, that anyone can even think of doing. Um, when you've killed someone who was wrongfully killed, didn't have a reason for you killing that person. And you yet try to, to make her name worse than what it is because of your, um, ability or want to um, make it look like you're not the bad guys is very very sad that the Kentucky officials tried to do that and um, I, I just want to continue to say justice for Breonna Taylor 
and uh, that'll be it. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, just, you know, continue to try to create change, make change. Uh, in a world where, I mean, we need it, I mean, you got to think, the fact that it's 2020 and we're still trying to fight for equality, when slavery has been abolished uh, since, what, 1865, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's a fight that's been one of those, that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, the fact that we're still talking about it in 2020 is just sad enough within itself. And, you know, only thing that, you know, we can do as a people is just try to, t- you know, see progress. You know, I, you know, I, I did say on Twitter, you know, one thing about racism is it won't ever really go away because it's something that's taught. But if we can just try to educate ourselves then we can minimize racism. So that's what I say. You know, racism, you, you want it to end. But first, I think we need to focus on trying to minimize it. And again, create change. So I want to thank everybody for listening to Tunnel Vision Podcast. I'm Mario Duramus. I'm Eric Walker. You can follow us on Twitter at Tunnel underscore Viz underscore pod. Follow me on my personal Twitter at Mario Duramus. Follow me, EZ513. And you can also follow Tunnel underscore Vision underscore Pod on Instagram. Uh, So until next time, I want to thank everybody for listening. I'm out. Peace.